Good morning. The next reading is from 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, from verse 14 through to 6, chapter 6, verse 2. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to him, to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Amen. Thank you, um, Regina. Songi, um, on behalf of the congregation here this morning, a very uh, warm welcome to you once again. Uh, we thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Uh, I know you've got a very busy schedule in Australia. You, you're talking tomorrow at Scotch College. Um, and be, we pray God's blessings for you there as well as uh, in New Zealand. Now, uh, Songi, just tell us uh, briefly, um, how long have you been involved with uh, African Enterprise? I'm part of the furniture. Uh, I've been with African Enterprise for the past 25 years, going into 26 years this year. Good. Um, tell us something about your family. Sorry. I'm married but to one wife, and uh, her name is Lucy, and God has blessed us with three girls. And is it tough being a father of three girls? Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I always keep an AK-47 to make sure that the boys don't hang around. And my AK-47 is the Bible. <laughs> and uh, Songa, how long are you going to be here in, in Australia? I'll be here until the 19th uh, of November. Uh, uh, so uh, on Thursday, I travel to Auckland, New Zealand, then uh, Sydney, and finish off in Brisbane. Right. Wonderful. Well, brother, thank you so much. Uh, and thank we you. pray God's blessings for you as you preach the word. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Chris. I greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus. And uh, in Africa, when somebody makes that statement, everybody responds by saying, Amen. Amen. So you can say Amen just for the sake of... <laughs> so I greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Wonderful. And uh, I already feel at home because I belong to a church which is also cosmopolitan. Uh, we've got many uh, internationals who belong to our church, 
and I'm an elder and also a session clerk in my local church. I'm a Presbyterian, and I've always been a Presbyterian, and I believe I'll always be a Presbyterian until the Lord takes me home. Let me take this opportunity to thank uh, Pastor Chris and uh, the whole uh, church leadership for inviting us to be here. It's such a great honor and a privilege uh, for us to share with you the love of Jesus. And um, I trust God that uh, this will not just be uh, the first time, and that God will give you an, op an opportunity to come and visit us in Africa and to see what God is doing uh, in Africa. I believe that we're living in very exciting times, and I thank God that I can be part of his team to bring hope and reconciliation uh, to the hopelessness, because the world out there is crying for help. If you just opened your, uh, uh, your, your uh, you switched on your TV, the first thing that hits your eyes is a cry of help. If you just bought a newspaper and started reading it, there is a cry of help. And thank God that God has given us the message, the good news, that is better than any other news that one can be given. Thank you so much, Regina, for reading that scripture, which is so close to my heart. And also thank, I thank God for my host and hostess, uh, uh, Jonathan and John. Uh, Jonathan is our international board chair of African Enterprise. And uh, John is uh, our representative for African Enterprise in Victoria. And thank you all uh, that you can be able to give me this opportunity to listen to what God has laid upon my heart. I've entitled my talk, How to Forgive the Unforgivable. Is it true that it's possible to forgive somebody who has hurt you so much? You may have been abused when you were a child, and you still have got, uh, uh, you've got vivid memories of that. Is it possible to forgive? Is it possible to forgive for somebody who murdered your father, your mother, or your brother, or your sister? Is it possible? Well, we're going to explore that through the scriptures. Somebody said the English language was invented by the English. And, uh, and uh, the Americans, I'm told, they perfected it. <laughs> and uh, we in Africa, we murdered it. <laughs> and so I hope that you'll be able to understand my accent. English is a very difficult language. But I believe God, the master of tongues, will give me the inspiration. Let me begin by quoting William J. Fannigan. And he wrote, We live in a society that seemingly has so much, yet in reality has so little. Not only do the hopeless drift, but people of means grope without purpose through the maze of this life. Why am I here? Where did I come from? Where am I going? These are the valid questions which strike the hearts of thinking people who are increasingly fearful of facing what appears to be a hopeless and uncertain future. On top of everything else, people are laden with feelings of guilt, emptiness, and rejection. Multitudes run to their mental health centers and prescri uh, prescription counters for relief, only to find that legitimate drugs are not much effective than the illegitimate. We are a generation of pure paupers, for all occasions, yet we are still on the search for peace and contentment. 
I believe the foremost need of the inward man is acceptance and forgiveness, which is summed up by the work of grace only be given, only given by God. In our guilt and emptiness, we can only attempt uh, to find relief in the so-called pleasures and joys of this world. Is it any wonder people turn to drugs, to illicit sex and money in an effort to quell fear and guilt? Tragically, however, this road leads to suicide, whether suddenly or slowly, by the root of addiction, and some are already on it. How to forgive the unforgivable? For us to understand this subject, I believe, let us look at the author of Corinthians. And the author was Paul. But before he became Paul, his name was Saul. And Saul was a very educated person. He was taught by one of the greatest philosophers of their time, Gamaliel. And as a Pharisee, he was somebody who was so much versed in theology. He understood the Bible. He even memorized the whole Psalm, uh, Psalm 119. Because as a Pharisee, that was a requirement. And he was very articulate and well-educated. And in his zeal to serve God, as a Pharisee, he persecuted the church. But one day he had a special encounter as he went to persecute the Christians in Damascus. And his life just turned around. In fact, even his name changed from Saul to Paul. From a Pharisee uh, to, uh, to a prophet. His name changed from a sinner to a saint. He changed from being a murderer into a missionary. He changed from an evil man to an evangelist. Why? Because this gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of change. In fact, somebody may even say that a process of metamorphosis took place. And uh, I was brought up in a village and I've seen this miracle, you know, all the time. Here is a caterpillar. And the caterpillar is in a cocoon. And it says to itself, I'm tired of being a caterpillar. Because caterpillars crawl. And there is a praise to their enemies. Because as they crawl, the birds can come or you can step on them. And then they decide, say, I'm tired of being a caterpillar. And there is a fight in the cocoon. Because the caterpillar says, mm-mm, this kind of life is boring. I want to go and ex excite uh, uh, and, and, and explore life. And as the fight goes on, if you say, oh man, I feel sorry for the caterpillar. Let me try to help it. You're going to destroy the process. Because that caterpillar will not be able to, uh, to develop strong wings to fly. But as it fights, you see the, that miracle enveloping. And lo and behold, it turns into a beautiful fly and says, I believe I can fly. I can be able to pollinate this flower with to this other flower it becomes a blessing something that was dominant something that was completely useless it turns into a beautiful a beautiful butterfly and it flies over the skies that's what happens when somebody has encounter with Jesus Christ you can no longer be the same you become a blessing and that's why even somebody who was being called a drunkard 
He no longer calls, we no longer call that person a drunkard. Why? The change has taken place. How to forgive the unforgivable. It begins with an encounter with the living Christ. In verse 14, as we are regenerated to us, it says, Christ's love compels me. It's the Christ's love that forces me to share this gospel because I am a new person. And the love of Jesus forces me to live out the Christian life. It is no longer I. But Christ, the hope of glory, who lives in me, who compels me to share with others the gospel that God has entrusted to me. And I, like Paul, he's a master of conclusions. I've, I tell you, it's exciting. When you, le- when you read closely, he has got so many conclusions. You say, therefore, one. You say the other, a uh, few verses later, therefore. And then finally, or in conclusion. And just in the first few verses that Regina read to us, there are about three conclusions. He says, therefore, Christ's love compels us. In verse 16, he says, therefore, from now on, recognize no man according to the flesh. Why is he writing like that? Because he himself, he as a Jew, he discriminated against any other tribe. But because of Jesus, he's saying, now when I look at people, I look at them with different eyes. Because I look at them with the eyes of Jesus. Sisters and brothers, it makes a difference to look at people with the love of Jesus. And that's why it is possible to forgive the uh, the unforgivable. Why? Because I'm looking at them, not with my own eyes. Even the person who hurt me so much. Even though I look at that person, I look at them not with my naked eyes, but with the eyes of Jesus. And that's what makes the difference. In verse 17, the Bible says, Therefore, once again, if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. It doesn't say if anyone belongs to St. Andrew's Church, does it? Does it? No. But if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, behold the new has come. Praise the Lord. Because I too, as there was a time when I used to play church, I used to sit in the pews. But it never meant anything to me. Until in 1978, I said, Jesus, come into my life. And he changed me. He transformed me. The, the process of metamorphosis took place. And I could be able to sing, I'm a new creation, I'm a brand new man. All things have passed away, I'm born again, more than a conqueror, that's who I am. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. Why? Because Jesus came into my life. And he changed me. He transformed me. And now I'm a brand new person. Jesus, sisters and brothers, is the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. And anything in between. And when he comes into our lives, he does a good job. 
He knows me better than I know myself. He knows you more than you know yourself. Is it possible to forgive the unforgivable? Without Jesus, it's very difficult. At the cross, where Jesus died like a criminal, he was made naked. Here is the king of kings, the creator. He dies like a criminal on the cross. And I can make, I can just imagine in the, in the company of the evil one with the angels, they were rejoicing. And they were saying, wow, this man used to give us hell. Now it's over. Not knowing that those, that, that was the beginning of a blessing to the world. And as he was crying, he said, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. At the cross, Jesus released a blessing instead of a curse. In Galatians 3 verse 13 and 14, the Bible says, Cursed is he who hangs on the tree. Jesus died my death so that I can be a blessing. That I can be able to forgive the unforgivable. Why? At the cross, Jesus opened an account in the name of Songe Chibambo. At the cross, Jesus opened an account in the name of Chris, in the name of Jonathan, in the name of John. In your names, he opened an account. And in 1978, that account was due for Songe. And that's why I gave my life to Jesus. Why? At the cross, Jesus, the son of the living God, the hope of glory, he released grace whilst the devil was expecting a curse. That's why the message of the cross is powerful. Because at the cross, that's where we first saw the light. At the cross, God gave us the grace to forgive the unforgivable. Stephen, the first martyr, he also emulated his master, Jesus. And as they were stoning him, there was a young man by the name of Saul. And you can imagine stones coming in all directions. They're hitting you. But Stephen knew who he was. He looked up and I could imagine him locking, locking, uh, locking eyes with his Lord. And he regained strength. And I believe God by his spirit reminded Stephen to say, Father, forgive these men and women who are stoning me. He opened an account in the name of Saul in heaven. No wonder Saul on the way to Damascus, his account came due and he had an encounter with Jesus. Because had, had Stephen, as he was being stoned, said, I curse you. I don't believe Saul would have been converted. He released grace. So the Bible says in verse 18, now all these things are from God. Reconciliation, sisters and brothers, doesn't come from man, doesn't come from the church. Reconciliation comes from God. It originates at the cross of Calvary where God chose to die for you and for me. Now God has given each one of us a ministry. You see, every government has got portfolios. You've got the Minister of Finance, Minister of Education, Minister of Health, and what's up, what have you. And in the church, all of us were ministers of the gospel. 
And we are ministers of reconciliation. Any man and woman who has, has, was connected with Jesus Christ, he, God, has given us a ministry of reconciliation. Can you please turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a minister of reconciliation. Minister of reconciliation. You are a minister of reconciliation. Why? Because Jesus himself, he has already done it all at the cross of Calvary. Not only that, but God has even said, you are my ambassador. <laughs> you see, in Africa, when you've got an ambassador, they've got uh, diplomatic immunity. And uh, most of the roads, they have got roadblocks. And whenever there is that flag of an ambassador, that car coming, what happens is they just open the gates because there is an ambassador in that car. And, uh, and, and not only does an ambassador got an, a diplomatic immunity, but an ambassador also represents the president of the sending country. And that's why when you address an ambassador, you say, Your Excellency, because that ambassador represents the country of South Africa or Sri Lanka or India or whatsoever. God is saying, when you are connected with Jesus, you represent the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. And the rules of heaven are completely different from the rules of this world. How can you be able to forgive the unforgivable? It is possible because we are representing the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. You can say amen to that. Amen. Yeah. Thank you. You are representing that kingdom of God. And God, when he looks at you, he says, that's my ambassador. And the question that we could ask to each one of us is, how do we represent Jesus? In our working place, do we have a witness that Jesus, the hope of glory, lives in us? As people hear the footsteps as we're walking into offices, can they be able to say, here comes the child of God? Or they say, wow, he has come, the troublemaker. Do we have a witness of Christ when we jump into uh, um, a train? In our homes, in our neighborhood, can people tell a difference between us and those who don't belong to Christ? Sisters and brothers, Jesus wrapped around grace at the cross for you so that you may forgive the unforgivable. But you may be saying to me, Songa, you don't understand. You don't understand the pain that I had to undergo because of that man or because of that woman or whosoever. Well, I may not be able to understand but let me share a testimony with you. A few years ago, I lost my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law used to, uh, to stay or to live in Johannesburg, in a township called Alexander. And um, um, my mother-in-law, on a Sunday morning between 1 and, 4, uh, 1 and 3 a.m., 
she died. But she, she didn't die of a natural death. She was murdered. She was murdered by boys. Boys who knew my mother-in-law so well. Boys who, at times, when they, whenever they were hungry, they would go to my mother's home and ask for food. And my mother-in-law was so gracious, and, uh, and she was so generous, and she could prepare a meal for the boys. But on this dreadful Sunday morning, these boys, under the influence of drugs and alcohol, when they saw my mother-in-law getting out of, the, uh, out of our house to relieve herself from a toilet, because most of the houses in the townships, uh, they don't, they didn't, and some of them up to now, they don't have toilets inside the house. They've got the communal toilets outside. So as she got out of the house, she was made by these boys, and they grabbed her, they gagged her, and they gang-raped my mother-in-law. And because she knew them, they made sure that she was dead. They killed her. And then they pulled her body and threw her in a rubbish dump about a kilometer away from her home. She was discovered three hours after her death. And I remember receiving that call from Lucy, my wife, telling me about the death of my mother-in-law. And uh, I was heartbroken. And I said, I spoke to you, Lucy, yesterday. You didn't tell me that mom was sick. I said, no, mom was murdered. And then she narrated the whole story. I broke down because she was my mother too. And I was so angry. I was angry with God. I said, you are the all-powerful God. You are the all-knowing God. Where were you when my mother-in-law cried for help? God is powerful. And there was silence. I said, God, I've served you. You see, it's very easy for when you are grieving um, to have self-pity. And uh, I said, God, I'm not going to serve you because you have let me down. And I said, I'm not going to forgive these boys. And uh, I even thought of avenging the death of my mother-in-law. I was angry. And in my anger, God came down at my level. God understands us better than we know ourselves. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient to you. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. My grace is sufficient to you. I said, God, I've got nothing to do with you. <laughs> you have disappointed me. You have let me down. And I could hear God saying to me, Songe, if you don't forgive, you'll be a victim for the rest of your life. Look what I did for you at the cross. You too have murdered so many people in your thoughts. And yet, you are still alive today. I'm giving you my grace. Grace to forgive. I wrestled with that message the whole day. And eventually, late in the evening, I gave in. I said, God, you be God. Let me be a human being. I said, God, I surrender. I forgive the boys unconditionally. And thank God that his grace was made sufficient to me. I preached at my mother-in-law's funeral. And a lady who had contempla uh, contemplated to commit suicide, she gave her life to Jesus at my mother's funeral. The grace of God. 
And that's why when we come to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the Bible talks about the grace. It says, And working together with God, we urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Sisters and brothers, God has given us the grace. The grace to forgive. Why? Because of the work of the cross. I'm told a little boy and his father were driving down a country road on a beautiful spring afternoon. Suddenly, a bubble bee flew in the car window. Since the little boy was deathly allergic to bee stings, he became petrified. But the father quickly reached out and grabbed the bee, squeezed it in his hand, and then released it. But as soon as he let it go, the young son uh, became frantic once again as it buzzed by him. His father saw his panic-stricken uh, face once again, and he reached out his hand. But this time, he pointed to his hand. There, still stuck in his skin, was the sting of the bee. Do you see it, son? He said. You don't need to be afraid you don't need to be afraid anymore of taking this thing away. How to forgive the unforgivable? Jesus at the cross, he took the sting of pain and suffering. And now he's saying, he's pointing us back to the cross. Because there, Jesus paid the price for us. God is warning us not to take the grace of God in vain. Unforgiveness is taking the grace of God in vain. Yes, I don't underrate what you have undergone. But God is providing a remedy for each one of us. A remedy for us so that we can be released from sin. Because what happens is, if you don't forgive, this is what happens. I'm going to last. This is what happens with unforgiveness. You are hooked to that person for the rest of your life. So when you go to the shopping mall, what happens? You are with that person. And when you are enjoying your cappuccino, what happens? That face just appears before you. Do you enjoy your cappuccino? Yes, No. When you want to go to sleep, at the middle of the night, and it's raining outside, you're tired, and you want to sleep. What happens? The, that, that face still appears before you. And all your sleep is gone. And that's what happens with unforgiveness. God's remedy for us is to forgive. Forgiveness is for our own benefit. So that we can be able to enjoy the peace of God. And our responsibility is to take that person. Praise God. <laughs> to take that person. And leave him at the cross. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> that is our responsibility. Leave them at the cross. Let them have business with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords so that we can be able to go free. 
The Bible says in Matthew 11 verse 28, Come unto me, those who are heavy laden, and I'm going to give you rest. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. In the village, you see, we don't have, it's now that we've got motor cars. But when we transport goods from one place to the other, to the other,